welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast. I am Jordan Eller Coltman. I am joined by Tyler Walzak. Yes, Tyler, I don't have much voice left. It's been a very busy and exciting weekend all over the sports world, but nothing more exciting than the Grand Prix in Montreal. Look, this is like our home race. We are two Canadian F1 fans. This is all we get. We get one race in the calendar that we genuinely can say it's a home Grand Prix. It's like the furthest part of the country away from us, but it's still technically the Canadian Grand Prix. Uh, it's regular scheduled sports broadcast, and you don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn for it. Uh, overall, like, I guess here's the question of all of the different races you could go travel to, like, this would obviously be the most logical in some ways. Maybe not your first choice, but most logical. I, I just got to ask, yes. like, should we be going to the Grand Prix in Canada? Like, do we, aren't we obligated as we really Canadians? As Canadians, it feels like this is the one we should be going to. Um, I think it'd be easier personally for you and I to go to Austin because we live in Vancouver. So Austin would probably be easier. Vegas Vegas. would be easier. (laughs) But if we're going to like a true classic track that's been around for a while, Austin and Montreal is where it would be. Um, And both iconic tracks, both great tracks, both tracks that drivers love and people have, have been excited to go to before the people that you and I know. Um, And honestly, the Canadian Grand Prix their racetrack is different than all the other ones just because it's high speed, basically stop, turn. High speed, stop, turn, um, which led to a, a fantastic race this weekend. A great yeah, race high event. There you go. Check mark That's for the pit event. stop podcast. Check mark. We got a high I event race. Thought about um, you all weekend yeah. based on the events that happened That's on right. Saturday. It's and it's got to be high event. And, and Martin Brundle kind of jokingly said, just as they were teeing up the race there before lights out on Sunday, one of the other factors with this track that I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you mentioned in your preview last week, but it was, it, it is a big part of it is it's like, this is not a smooth, clean diamond cut asphalt track. This is a bumpy road that they lay out, you know, into a formula one circuit once a year, but it is not perfect. It has lots of imperfections. It's got lots of little character elements to it. It makes it fun. You have to really be able to drive. George Russell had a great quote before the race. We'll talk more about him because it's kind of ironic that this was the quote before the race, knowing how the race ended for him. But he joked before, he's like, this is the kind of race where you have to go back to being like a kid car that you've got to drive. There's lots of straightaways, high speed, and then you hit this corner. you got to be precise. you got to be online. You make a mistake. Those runoff areas are tough and all those kind yep. of things. So it definitely is a driver's Red Bull wins. Max wins easily. Nine-second lead. It's actually one of his smallest leads of all of the races he's won that weren't under safety car this season. Um, but they get their 100th win. So we have to at least acknowledge for a moment that's a big accomplishment for Red Bull. They're a championship caliber team that's now looking to do it for three years in a row. They've Or two years as a constructor, three years with a team. They've already won four before with, with Vettel. But it took them this long to get to 100 wins. That's not something that happens very often. So congrats to them for that. Congrats to Max. He ties Art and Senna's wins record, which is also a very important statistic historically in the sport when you look at the great champions. So I think that that's a an acknowledgement that should be there, even from two guys who really can't stand his guts. Uh, we also ended up with three world champions on the podium together. There's only two times uh, that I was able to find in my research back where we had more championship wins combined on a podium. Uh, one of them was uh, Schumacher, Raikkonen, and Vettel. Uh, so that was quite a while ago. No, it was Alonso on the podium at that time when he had two. And then the one before that, you got to go all the way back to Schumacher, uh, 
uh, Senna, and I guess it would have been Alan Prost on the on the on the podium with him. So that like history wise, was it like ninety six? Yeah, it was it was even earlier than that. But yeah, pretty wild to 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 think about the number of wins combined up on that podium today, uh, on Sunday. All right, let's get back to qualifying. Um, that's your history lesson. That's your kind of acknowledgement. Now we don't have to talk about Red Bull if you don't want to. Again, Thank God. I, I was gonna say, don't let us. I don't want to talk about Red Bull. I don't no, want to talk I got about Max Verstappen. Let's say this right now: way. Max Verstappen, great race. He's gonna win every race this year. Let's. I don't want to talk about Max Verstappen. That's um, we're not doing that on this check. podcast. All right, good. High events, check. Red Bull, check. <laughs> Max, check. We don't have to talk about. It. If you came here for Red Bull Talk, go somewhere else. If you go to any of the f- official Formula One any shows, other that's place. all they want to freaking talk about. Any other Get out place. of here. All right, qualifying. It rained. That makes it for fun. Do you know how angry I was on Saturday watching qualifying? I Why? have never. I almost broke both my television sets because both. Carlos, goddamn Ferrari, son of a bitch, signs stops his car in the middle in the middle of the track. Right before the last hairpin turn, yeah. or sorry, not hairpin turn, right before, because Carlos Sainz decided he didn't know what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do his last flying lap. And he completely screwed over my guy. The reason I watched every qualifying because I want to see Gasly go. That's all I want to do. And Carlos Sainz ruined it for me. I was a Carlos Sainz fan. I was a Ferrari fan. I was a Leclerc fan. And I am so angry at Carlos Sainz for this past weekend. Um, and basically Ferrari qualifying altogether angry at both those drivers. I actually think they had a great weekend strategy wise. I hated both those drivers on Saturday and I, 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 there has to like, it's just so frustrating to be a fan of a driver whose entire weekend is screwed because of somebody else. There's, yeah. I mean, then there's that's... a penalty is it was three places for Science was that what his penalty was when three yeah. grid places like yeah. and but you don't know that doesn't change Gasly's weekend. I know he's still I down know. at 16 or wherever he started. Yeah, it's a tough one for sure. I mean, I'm qualifying hot. 17, he started. I'm hot still about that. Qualifying was wild, there was definitely a lot going on. It was interesting because. Uh, through Friday, if you watched and through obviously early parts of Saturday, like it was, it was kind of tricky to be able to tell exactly what we were going to get. Uh, obviously we're still seeing the results of some upgrades. Some new upgrades even came this week for, for the Aston Martin, but lots Williams. of upgrades and Williams. Yep. Yeah. And we'll talk about Williams in a second too. Cause they had a great, uh, one of them had a great race. Uh, the other one didn't, the other one didn't make it out of what the third lap, but that was technical, not his fault. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Lots of upgrades and 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 so it was tricky to kind of get through the, the the order in terms of knowing quite how qualifying was going to go. And then obviously you throw the factor of rain in there, and it always is a challenge because you're trying to compete with: do we go out on inters? Do we go out on wets? The rain was changing on them; it was kind of swirling from different parts of the circuit. It was tricky to get the the right tire temperature up in there. So you had guys who were trying to get a quick lap in early in a one of the qualifying sessions just to get something on the board because we've seen that happen before, obviously. Um, but for me, the highlight of that whole thing is the fact that we end up with Hulkenberg sitting there on the front row by the end of it, because again, yeah. you know, they put him awesome. on a good set of tires and it worked. Unfortunately for him, he gets a penalty, bumps yeah. him back, which is just, you know, it's just unfair, frankly, because he, you know, he did what he could do in that situation as best he could, but none of those guys, everybody impeded somebody at some point during that qualifying session, because with the weather and, and the situation like that, like it's difficult to, to see anything. It's difficult to know where you are. That's actually, that's also a track that's hard sometimes to get out of the way on because you're coming into these corners. And if you're not like, Don't some guys them. take kind of like tricky lines. No, no I'm not t- defending the signs one. Cause he just stopped in the middle of the road. That was yeah. pretty blatant, but there were other situations like, 
there was a, I mean, I, I know Lewis almost got caught on one because there was one where during qualifying where he thought he thought he expected, I don't remember now who it was going past. I think it was an Alpha Tori. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Somebody was coming up on a hot lap and it, he kind of gave him the, the line he thought the guy wanted. And the guy all of a sudden was like right beside yeah, him out. coming into a corner. And it was like, even he sort of said on the radio, like, I didn't see him coming. Like, I, I had no idea he was going to be on that line. So, you know, weather changes everything. You think about how fast these guys are moving, how much they're thinking about. And then you add that extra factor of now your mirrors are wet. Your visor is wet. Everything yeah. is just sort of got any, it is what it is, but that's why they're the best in the world that they, they somehow managed to not, you know, to, there aren't more collisions is a testament to how good they are. And there was a lot of penalties um, yeah. between Saturday's qualifying and then the start of the race on Sunday. Um, I think Stroll had one as well. Um, Hulkenberg and signs. And again, there was two incidents that FIA, if we're talking about FIA again and how they do things, Hulkenberg's penalty was a penalty. It was like a red flag infraction. Yeah. He was but in the rules. It's supposed to be 10 places, 10 great yeah. places in the rules for what he did. But that's where it's weird because they looked at it and said, that's ah, kind of hard to give him 10 for what he did. He didn't really do anything wrong. He just was a fraction of a second late to, yeah. to reacting. But if you think that you also go like a rule's a rule. Like, so if you, if you don't think he did it, if you don't think he did anything wrong, why are you taking him out of that second place position P2 for the start of the grid? Um, like you know, you know that in your right mind, you can't put him down ten spots, but yet you're gonna still pen penalize him. Kind of yeah. weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and then also one. the thing with Piastri. Let's get this out of the way. Uh, <laughs> on Sunday, it was a penalty, and we all know what it was. You cannot slow down like that and cause every like you just can't drive unsafe and slow down for no reason. Yeah, it was just weird the way they said it, and they Brundle and those guys even talked about it on the um uh, during the race on the broadcast. But the just the way they phrase things, like there's yeah. no reason to say. Well, it's the same like, with because Norris like behavior, or, or, like, or, uh, just give yeah. them the penalty that that they say. Lando that they Norris, always call it. Lando Norris. Sorry, was that Norris? Yeah, race. it was. Not yeah, Lando. Was Norris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about Piastri in a second too. But 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 yeah, Lando Norris for that one. And you're right, it's tricky. We also had like how many unsafe releases during that safety car? My God, pretty much everybody coming yeah. out of there. Like Lewis could have got ding for one. They didn't. They, they didn't penalize any of them. Yeah, which was weird to me. Weird. Few of them Very were weird. pretty pretty obvious. Even I was yeah. like, "Hey, Lewis, I think you got got because they had a bad pit stop and he was slow, but it was real close. Uh, yeah. Definitely forced uh, Alonso to slow up. Maybe because of how it ended up, they didn't feel like they had to apply it later. Let's talk about that. So we don't have to talk about Max. We know where the Red Bull was, but off the hop, a uh, great start for Lewis gets out right into second place right away. Like terrible, yeah. terrible start for Alonso, who's clearly in the better car. He's struggling right away, but it set up this great fight. But all race long and it was fun because you got lewis who tried the undercut didn't quite work didn't really get as much of an advantage as he was hoping for the aston martin clearly is benefiting from some upgrades but i would also argue like clearly what we saw from the mercedes after its upgrades in barcelona like i mean before that in monaco but really in barcelona when they were both on the podium like Mercedes has figured at least out how to get this car to do what they want to do now. Will they catch yeah. Red Bull this year? No, they're not going to get there. But but they are in a fight for second place with Aston Martin, and it's that genuine fight. If Ferrari can figure it out and catch up, we could actually have a three-way fight for the second place, which we were hoping for last year. We might actually get this year. Mercedes is definitely on the right track, which is nice to see. Back-to-back -back podiums for them. Lewis and Alonso in a fight all the rest of the season for second place would be great. Perez is nowhere to be found. He's MIA completely. So at this point, 
you know, it's Alonso in second place, really. He's going to catch Perez if he has one more good race like this. For me, that's a great fight to watch. I'm excited to see how that plays out through the rest of the season because those two guys are apparently ageless. 1,000%. I mean, this is what we talk about every like every episode now is ignore Verstappen. He's won. It's over. Don't even watch the race for Verstappen. But Perez, Alonso, Hamilton, and then those three guys are all fighting for that second place. All of yeah. them have a genuine shot at that second place. Um, right now, Hamilton's kind of a long shot for that. But, I mean, if the Mercedes upgrades yeah. are this can, good... It's now then... if they can put the consistency together. That's what exactly. it'll be for him. That's what exactly. Be for him. So that second place, and then it's it's that's the watch now. Like That yeah. is why we're watching. Right now, it seems like Perez is lost. I don't, I don't know, know if his confidence yeah. is gone. Yeah, he hasn't qualified well in the last three races. I personally, well. personally, I have no evidence to back this up, but this is my belief. I think before each race, Max goes into his garage the night before and just like uncouple some cable or something under his car and then goes back to the hotel. That's what I think is happening. I think they just, I think what actually could, it's not, I'm not going to, agree with you like because that's like just obviously a, an exaggeration of what's putting be happening. sandbags in the but back of the car somebody at red bull probably sat everyone down and said hey let's not all forget that this is verstappen's championship perez might like after perez was close when they were neck and neck and it was starting to get like the media was starting to say hey, is perez going to take this one red bull might just have completely spent all their time and money just to help max and kind of kicked like Perez the side, like a younger child or maybe like yeah. you just kind of like fight for yourself out there. Like you have the car, go do it. See what you can do. See what you can do. Whereas Max is every single person at his beck and win. Yeah. I mean, the only way Perez catches him now is if we decide to cancel most of the rest of the season. And the only races we run are like the tight cir street circuits. That's really the only yeah. way he catches him. It's it will, but it, this Alonzo Hamilton to going back to this, this Alonzo Hamilton thing is awesome yeah it's great for so many different reasons but also what is it sport. 2008 again like where are we i know what, that's what, what i mean like, it's great to see and they're they seem to be looking like they're having fun with it like you're laughing and talking to each other after the race it's not like the hate filled like fuck you i want this i want that like i have to win no. i want to win it's more like i can't believe that we're this yeah. old and we are still yeah. On podiums well, and, together. And and Hamilton had a great quote after the race. You know, he was very clear about, he said, I've, I've looked pretty well at the backside of both these two guys so far this year. I know what the two different cars are and we know which one we think we can compete with. Uh, he said, I also think now it's just going to be an arms race between Aston Martin and Mercedes to who wins the upgrade battle the rest of the season. He's like, neither of us are worried about Red Bull's upgrades. Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, they're probably building next year's car already. And they, yeah. Oh, for sure. In this one. It, it was so just to speak on that, like the race before this was a 20 second gap between Verstappen and anybody else. So it's cut down to nine and a half, but that could be track because again, like car. this and there was a safety yeah, car. Safety like, car it, it also like also Alonso had to drive a lot of this race, like lift and coast. Yeah, he did. He, he, he didn't want to do that, but he had yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't know, but like, it's nice to see that. There's at least a battle going on for podiums. Yeah. The other thing, two or three, not to, again, we don't want to talk about Red Bull and I agree with that, but it was interesting because we did see the, this was the first time we ever saw like a 
not a flaw, but like like a, like a chink in the armor of what Red Bull's sort of superpower car has been. And Max actually spoke to it too in post-race interviews. They really did struggle with tire temperature because of the air temperature. It was one of the co- colder races they had had this season. And he did acknowledge like it was hard to get those tires up to temperature to really be able to maximize what the car was capable of. So that was that was a factor in terms of that nine-second gap coming down to that, you know. You know what? Actually, so to to jump onto that point is this whole race was not tire um, management in terms of heat and degrade. Yeah. It was brake yeah. because the tires, they couldn't heat up quick enough. Yeah. They couldn't get them to where they wanted them, but the brakes were overheating. So as much as they were trying to get the tires up, the brakes were overheating, which is what Hamilton thought Alonzo was struggling with. Yeah. But I think everybody was a little bit struggling with that. Yeah. But that's why this Montreal race is kind of cool. Like yeah. it's just it's, it's literally different. like full out and then chicane, 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 chicane. So Hair it's exciting. <laughs> it's an exciting track. Yeah, for sure. So we talked obviously about Lewis and Alonso and how those two teams in Mercedes and Aston Martin have tightened up. But I would also make the argument most of the midfield is tightened up now. Those upgrades are starting to really make this more competitive in a lot of places. We're seeing, as you pointed out, the Williams had a big improvement. Albon had easily his best race of since we've seen him in a Williams. Williams was flying, wise, he flying on those straights. Williams James, car with those upgrades are is I will say this now. Like this is I, I will I'm gonna go out on a limb a little bit here, but also it's a hot take, but not so much. Right now Williams is ninth in the constructors with seven points. Alpha Tori is last with two. I think Williams finishes seventh in the constructors wow. ahead of Haas, ahead of Alpha Romeo, ahead of Alpha Tori. And it is all going to be because of Alex Albon. He has proven his spot this year in F1, not just on a Williams team. He has proven his spot in F1 with qualifying. I think he was first in Q2 for a while, if not the entire time. Um, And and he's consistently outperforming. And now the car is kind of catching up. Yeah. That the fact that it like a seventh so, spot is would be phenomenal finish for Williams. So I think that I don't think that's that hot a take. I think it's a good take. It's it's a bold take, but it's a good take. But I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge one part of what you said. It won't be just because of Alex Albon, and here's why I think that James Valls, who came over from Mercedes, who's now their team principal, I think is a huge part of why they are moving as fast as they are to improve. I think that they, for the first time in a very long time, maybe all the way back to when Frank Williams actually ran this team, they are being run by competent leadership and that is a very important thing like they he came out prior to this race and i don't know if you saw these quotes but he came out and acknowledged we're this is our first major upgrade to this car but we know this is not going to be the fix they were not all of a sudden going to be competitive we are looking for incremental slow changes and then he talked about how he was shocked and like dismayed at the state he found williams in he acknowledged that some of their prefab some of their air wind tunnel space some of their development space had not been upgraded in over 40 years we're talking about a formula one team in 2023 who is working with technology from the 1990s and 80s like that is not competitive you cannot be competitive with those kind of facilities and you know what i mean it's like looking at the the arizona coyotes right now playing in like a college rink and thinking somehow it's going to work out it's not going to work out if your team isn't able to meet the standard of your the baseline of your competition baseline come on so he has i think already begun to put the pieces in place but again that's not going to happen overnight 
But as you say, they have a chance here to take a big step. That's what they want to do. Alex Albon, confidence-wise, looks like the most confident he's ever been as a driver. He's figured out this car. I also think this is the best situation for a guy like, like Alex because when he was thrown into that Red Bull prematurely, and I do believe it was prematurely, like they, sure. they, they wanted to get Gasly out of there because it wasn't working, but they didn't really have a backup. So they threw the next you know, young kid in there. He was thrown to the wolves and it was, he was never set up to succeed. He had huge expectations to fill, you know, not to mention the expectations that, that Gasly had already had that now he was the guy replacing him. He had to at least be that good. And he wasn't going to get there. That's, that's a huge amount of pressure. He no longer has on his shoulders. He's on a bad team. That's just looking for little incremental, you know, successes. And he will be able to improve with that. I believe Alex Albon, will be in a much more competitive car in the next five years because of the work he gets to do here. Look at George Russell. How 1, much did George Russell learn from this experience? Now, was it frustrating at times? Of course it was. And Alex will be frustrated. But right now, he's getting to a place where he's going to have a car he knows what to do with. And if he can start to beat some other guys, that confidence is just going to grow. And I, yeah. I, I'm i with you, man. I'll back you up on that seventh place. For, for sure. And I was talking take. mainly in terms of just Albon, as in like he's the one who's only – Oh, he's yeah. the only Sergeant one isn't going to – No, no. Sergeant is not getting any sure. points this year. No. But Albon is going to – you're right. The Everything in the back that everyone – like not a lot of people talk about behind the scenes, but all of that stuff is coming together. And Albon is the guy that's putting it on the track. And he's going to bring this – him – along with his crew, are going to bring this car into seventh on the constructors this year, which is amazing. It's such a great story. And I'm just thinking now, after you talked about throwing them off the wall, like, what if Gasly was still at Red Bull? Would I be a Red Bull fan? Yeah, probably. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, a, <laughs> a different door, universe somewhere. A different door. universe somewhere. But I think you would be, but maybe you'd still be just as annoyed with just Max because he's, Max. He, he would still But be I'd have to defend Christian Horner. Oh, I don't want to do that either. Yeah, thank God you didn't have to do that. Um, <laughs> How did we start talking about, about this? You, oh, you, you yeah. brought up Red Bull. Again. I brought up Red. So let's talk. Should we talk a little bit about Ferrari because this was a big weekend? Yes. For them. Yeah, actually, it was, and they made for once like an actually good strategic choice. So they made a great. I would say Saturday and Sunday, the people behind Ferrari made extremely smart decisions with strategy, and I will also say that these drivers. Leclerc and Sainz do not trust them at all yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> Leclerc. I don't even think he spoke one time on the radio this he entire race. He was pretty race. pissed after qualifying because, to be yeah. fair, qualifying didn't go well for him. Sure, but also he's the one who screwed up in qualifying. Yeah. I actually 100%. think that Ferrari made everyone else, everybody else on Red Bull, um, Aston Martin were all on intermediates when when Ferrari and when Ferrari got the message from Leclerc and when Leclerc was saying, "Get me on slicks, get me on slicks," everyone was like, "Just put in one lap time." Yeah. on intermediates just like everybody else and then we'll put you on slicks he was the one bitching and moaning about yeah. it it was a good call by the directors at ferrari and then the race day to go on the mediums and wait out the entire first half basically and go we're just going to wait and see including if we with a one stopper including the temptation of a pit stop yeah or pardon me of, of a uh, of a of a safety car, safety pit car. Stop. yeah because everybody it. you your first instinct is always it's free. Let's take it, yep. but they didn't take it. They gained track position because of it, and they finished in, in in fourth and fifth. Like that's a very smart, strategic team point gathering mission that they went out there and got. And it, I mean, you're 22 seconds off the top three. You're not winning at any podium positions. You got to make yeah. good choices, and they did. 
the best finish they could have had was fourth and fifth. Because if Russell stayed on the track, they probably would have been fifth and sixth. But that fourth and fifth is perfect for Ferrari right now. Where they need, it, yeah. It's a momentum builder. Yeah. But it's just the trust with the drivers. And understandable, the last couple of years have been horrible. Yeah. But Signs was talking back every chance he got. Like, hey, switch over to like Red X. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, hey, so we're thinking about this. No, I don't want to do that. Which you want from a driver, but it was so like short and tempered that it was like, man, these guys don't trust, trust the directors yet. And Ferrari has a lot to do with communication, um, like in terms of building more trust, but fourth and fifth for Ferrari this weekend, fantastic weekend. They couldn't have hoped for best. They have to be happy, even though they're probably angry. They have to be happy leaving with that. Yeah, for sure. And that, I, I think you're, I think that's a, I think you're right. I think that they, that for, from, from Ferrari's perspective, again, it was like a little baby step towards success. And now it's something that you can start to build that trust back with them being able to review this and go, look guys, we were right. You should have trusted yeah. us. Next time we make a call, you got to start to trust us again. But that's like, you know, it's a dog that's been hit too many times. Like Leclerc has been screwed over so many yeah. times that it is, you can, you, you can't blame him really for, for the caution before, you know, trusting them again, but they got to start to rebuild that trust together and redevelop that, that, that team thing. And I can't believe you just praised Ferrari after, after what science did to you. I, I forgot about it. <laughs> I know. But I, I said, I was shitting on their drivers. I said, the team was great. The drivers still annoyed me this weekend. All right, fine, fair enough. Uh, anything else you want to dig in on in, in this race? We had some, you know, some odd incidents. We had two guys go off and have to like slowly back back out. That was pretty. That funny. was awkward. Yeah, what was DeVries doing? I, I like it was just, almost it like, like he, he locked knew... up on the inside line and then just I know, took but him it, with was, it was almost like he was blocking magnet. He it's like because they came out of one turn. Yeah, and it was like the racing, and then DeVries said he's gonna beat me. You know what? I'm just gonna block him. I'm just gonna get in front of him and stop him. Yeah. We'll that was messy. it was very strange. It was hilarious. It was, it was exciting. Well, and, and watching the two of them have to back back out into traffic was it's like when you know that awkward thing when you're like stuck behind a guy who doesn't know how to parallel park, but you cannot yeah. get past him. And you're just sitting here being like, I know I'm looking at him and it's only making it worse for him, but like there's yeah. no way around this. You like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and the two of them they just tiptoeing back out onto the circuit. It was very yeah. funny. It was very funny. It was exciting. A high event, a high event between those well, two. Let's talk about the one actual sort of event event that we ended up with, where we ended up with a safety car, like completely unforced error by George Russell. Put the I, car on the wall. Can't he, he would have finished fourth easily if he had yeah. just stayed on the track. He was trying to catch up to Alonzo um, and Hamilton at that time, like trying to make up for lost time, which he didn't need to do. Like, I don't know why you're doing that. I don't know. Um, but I mean, cost him. Those turns, yeah. those sausage barriers that they have on those yeah, turns, those like curbs. Yeah. Well, because if you, you almost got Verstappen too. Verstappen at the end. And I was like, come on, just like, it, there's no God. Yeah. There's no it's, God. Again, I said this last time or last show is it's this season. There's not a lot of crashes. There's not a lot of DNFs. There's not a lot of failures. Um, well, and maybe they're going to save them all for but... the, yeah, I was <laughs> Maybe they're saving them for the end, but like yeah. even the the big like big names like Ferrari and Red Bull, they're having their problems like even last year, and everything's kind of worked itself out. Well, 
And I would argue a part of that is you're dealing with new regulations last year. They yep. definitely, because of those problems, they put a lot more effort, I think, into that. When we're really going to see those issues come back is when we get the new regulations for power units in 2026. 20, you're going to have yeah. a couple years where those power units aren't quite doing what they think they're going to do. And that'll be where it'll get more interesting from that. We got a little we got a little porpoising coming back this past um, yeah. yesterday as well. Yeah. And that, again, I think goes back to that uneven track, too, where teams are trying to push a little bit hard to get you know, a little bit more downforce. And then now you're dealing with some less than ideal yeah. conditions for it, but that was interesting. Yeah. You're right. Um, any final thoughts before we hand out some hardware? No, it was a fun weekend. All right. Let's all let, uh, lived up to the hype. Yeah. Did not let us down uh, race awards for the week. We have our driver of the day. I'm going to throw my vote on Alex Albon for this one, because for me, not only is it the most impressive race for him this season, it's just great to have a driver from the bottom of the pack, overachieve put his car in its best optimal position succeed he's in seventh place gets great points back to back points uh in that williams for them you're starting to see his we talked a lot about him already but for me like you can't talk about the guys at the front they're doing what we'd expect them to do he's overachieving and that's exciting he's my driver of the day i hands down all right don't even think of anyone else alex albon very easy I feel like we're both going to be uh, on the same page with this next one too. We got not so driver of the day. And this one goes to the guy who put it in the wall without any reason whatsoever. Yeah. It's George Russell. Just what are you doing? It. There's no you reason gotta, to do that. Hey, if you're in a Mercedes, all you got to do is finish the race. Yeah. And as you say, he was in a position to finish fourth. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot by yourself. Yeah. Put it into the wall. And he did. And it cost himself 12 points. Our radio call of the race. This one for me goes to Max Verstappen. It's a very funny little radio call. It's near the end of the race. I think he was on like the 10th or 11th lap from the, from the checkered flag. And he, he just radioed and said, I think I hit a bird. Well, it turned out he did hit a bird. Uh, it actually ended up in his brake duct. He finished the race with a bird in the car. Really? Still, still managed to win. Maybe that's where the nine second gap came. <laughs> yeah. It would have been it would have been twenty to twenty-five seconds. Yeah, a pigeon or something ended up in the brake duct of the car. That's I didn't you know so, what I didn't genuinely did not know that. Multiple times there near the end, Max could have done her. And again, there is no God. Um but it's not the first time. I just wanted to point this out. We've had bird-related incidents at this track. This track is actually well-known for animal encounters. We've had marmots run across the track. Uh, we've also had a, a, a seagull incident several years ago with uh, Sebastian Vettel. The seagull nearly got hit, didn't actually physically get hit, but got caught in the draft of the wheel. There's a great video of it. It like completely flipped the seagull upside down mid-flight, and it like rolls off in the dirty air behind. Uh, this is back when Sebastian was driving for Ferrari. It's a good video. Go look it up. But yeah, Max Verstappen hitting a bird, and the radio call was as simple as that. I think I hit a bird. No response from the engineers. Uh, overtake of the race. I don't know the lap. I'm sorry. Uh, but we had a Williams and a Haas. I think they were fighting. Uh, for, it was DeVries and Magnuson. That's right. Before that incident. That's right. And yeah. Russell, who is, of course, in last place after having to get his car put back together. Uh, this is before he DNF'd. But he came around uh, the corner right while these two guys were squabbling and just took the inside line and overtook both of them. It was a clean, you know, again, it's George Russell and a Mercedes. He sh it should be easy to overtake both of them. But he, he picked a, a less than, you know, easy spot to do it. Made it look kind of more fancy than it was for me. That was the overtake of the race. It was a good overtake before his day was over. I will agree with that one. There you go. Wow. We didn't have too much to fight about on any of those. That's our uh, review and uh, reflection on the uh, Canadian Grand Prix. We'll be back in a moment. 
Creativity has the power to take our breath away, to move us to action or reaction, to invite us to feel more fully alive. And when the creativity is coming out of the kitchen of a local restaurant, the experience has the power to do all of the above and put a smile on your face. Q Burger in Qualicum Beach on Vancouver Island is home to culinary creativity led by owners Aaron and Kevin. Together they have managed to make a local burger joint a must stop on any trip up the central coast of the island. In fact, readers of Canadian Living Magazine recently voted it one of the top five burger restaurants in Canada. And if you're saying, yeah, but a burger joint's a burger joint, then let me ask you, what other burger joint allows you to choose between a Boomageddon, all caps, with double the beef, double the bacon, and double the cheese, and Wicked Sticky, where the roasted chicken breast is topped with balsamic reduction, roasted garlic, and fried brie, or the new Sonic Pickle Boomerito, yep, with an exclamation point. And if meat is not your treat, Consider a Brock of Ages, the Thai Tuna Tornado Wrap, or Halibut and Chips caught fresh from the ocean 10 minutes down the street that morning. The fish, not the chips. Put it on your bucket list. Q-Burger, locally owned and operated in Qualicum Beach, BC. All right, Tyler, you know what time it is. It's time for mail. Okay, here's our question. And this one's a little bit early. Uh, I was going to save this question. We got this question about a week ago. And I was going to save it till a little bit further into the summer. But it's we're already kind of getting to the fun part of where we would start to talk about silly season. It's related to that. Um, just because there's been rumors all over the place. So let's get to it. This question comes from longtime listener Colin. Uh, the question is this. The Netflix effect. He says, as silly season approaches, will certain people who are popular characters in Drive to Survive continue to work? He's speaking about Gunther Steiner, for example, or return to the positions that they previously had as, as regular Formula One uh, characters, Ricardo. He asks because people like to see them in the show and arguably the sponsors of their teams get their logos more time on Netflix, not because of wins, but because of drama. Following follow-up question to that is, is this good for the sport? So the bigger part of this, if I can dilute the question down is how much of an impact do you think that the marketing elements of brand to survive play in the value that certain people have in their roles within formula one is gunther steiner more valuable to haas in his current role as team principal because of his job on the racetrack or is he more valuable to them as an ambassador for the team because of his role in the netflix show At the same time you have ricardo who clearly from the very beginning of the netflix show was a crowd favorite and a lot gained a lot of fans especially in north america from the show regardless of his actual skill, talent, success in a race car. And the question being, he's obviously not driving. Will he get a seat back? Maybe because a team also views him as a valuable marketing asset. So what do you think? I think, so I was talking about this today, the drive to the Netflix drive to survive, because I am here because of drive to survive. I, that's how I got on the F1 bandwagon. I, I always liked car racing, but I was more NASCAR when I was younger and then got an F1 because of Drive to Survive. Now, we have been shit-talking Drive to Survive for the last two seasons, probably you and I, because it was great for the first three to get people in. 
that's awesome. It brought so many more viewers to the sport. But what we're going to find is that people aren't going to watch the races as much anymore because they're just going to watch Drive to Survive. And Drive to Survive is going to become more of an animal in terms of its script points and who they do want to keep and who they don't want to keep in the storylines. Now, that's a dangerous thing. It's a good thing. It's a bad thing. People are going to get bored of watching Drive to Survive. It's just inevitably it's going to happen. Something new and shiny is going to come along. Teams are going to take advantage of, of who they want. And it's like you could just – Red Bull could just say, hey, the only person you have access to is Daniel Ricardo this season. We want Daniel Ricardo to be popular so that we can still buy um, or still have people buying Red Bull merch because they think that Ricardo may or may not come back to us. Um, that's also going to help Ricardo get back into an F1 seat if another team sees him, let's say Alpha Tori, um, but they're kind of Red Bull. Let's say somebody else, Alpha Romeo. They say, hey, listen, he's still in Drive to Survive. He's still super popular. He's still a, guy, a ratings guy. Let's take him from Red Bull, give him a spot for like three years. So teams are going to look at Drive to Survive to choose who they want on their team, which is good and bad for the sport. Um, but teams are also going to say like, hey, we don't want it. We don't want Max Verstappen to be interviewed. So let's just give them this full access to this person. Um, so it's it's going to be a, kind of a double edged sword when it comes to true F1 fans will start to get sick of drive to survive like you and I have because of the drama is not legitimate drama. They use sound clips from other races to put into things that that help their storylines. Um, ideal, like in the long run, I, I would say that the sport is going to survive based on what the sport has always survived on. And that's people love cars and these are the best cars in the world. And the fact that they've given us an inside element to the drivers is a good thing, but it's not going to last very long because people are just going to pick their people and actually watch the races. Um, it's an, it's an odd thing for sponsors because they don't know which way their drivers are going to be depicted, right? They could be villains. They could be heroes, but there's no way to gauge that based on what Netflix is doing. And the more sponsors have like options to choose who they want like Netflix to follow is just going to be worse for the sport. So it's kind of like a cyclical good and bad thing. Everyone's trying to make money off of it and do this whole like roundabout to get more viewers is not generally going to be good for the sport. If that, starts getting into drama instead of what's actually happening on the track. That's a yeah, long-winded think, answer. No, no, I think that's fair. And he led with the Netflix effects. I think the Netflix effect, as you say, it, it doesn't necessarily have like lasting power. Uh, I think it got a lot of people into the sport. I think two, two major factors to that. One, it was very well produced at the beginning as an introduction, especially for people who were uninitiated and unaware of the sport itself. Great way to set it up introducing characters it's also a great sport for that because you have clearly defined characters right drivers team principals it's easy to understand there's 10 teams we really only need to worry about like three or four of them as our key characters in this story we'll get people hooked on those parts of the drama and we're great we're in there's that that's mm -hmm. your gateway right and obviously characters emerge from that because some people are very good at 
you know, presenting a persona for, a, you know, a, a good producer and editor to to use. And Gunter Steiner is a result of that. Red Bull knew what they were doing. They were one of the first big teams to be like, yeah, let's go all over this because they've never like there is not a single marketing campaign in the history of the world that Red Bull has not been like, yeah, that's good for us. Let's go. Yeah. Right. That's the that's the brand across all sports. Right. Look at all of the extreme sports they've they've signed their their their, their selves up to. That's part of what they do. But I think you're right in the sense that it's not necessarily going to have the same kind of lasting impact. I think it's already lost a lot of that. And I think that the people who make the decisions about whether or not drivers and, and team principals have jobs and where they put them, the people really making those decisions are not the sponsors. Yes, the sponsors want certain things out of them. And yes, we've seen you know, guys like Mick Schumacher was more valuable to, to Haas than other people because of the name power. Yes, that's true. This is a sponsor-driven uh, financial sport, but the f- sponsors also want to be successful and have teams win. Like at the end of the day, nobody is signing up to be a sponsor of a bad team just because you've got an interesting character on there. Like, no, but that's if you part have, of it. if you have someone like Mercedes, not even Mercedes, let's say, uh, let's just go with Mercedes or Ferrari. They walk up to Netflix and say, Hey, the next season, we want 50% of the screen time. We'll give you this sure. X amount of money to do sure. it. We just have this new shiny driver. Let's say in three years, Albon goes to Mercedes let's, or next year. Let's just say out of sure. like, just sure, sure, example. Sure. We yeah. have to boost people's opinion of Alex Albon because right now they don't think he's deserving of the seat that Lewis Hamilton just left to go somewhere else. So they can just – Mercedes or whoever, AMG, can just go to Netflix and say, we want 50% of this show or this um, new season to be about – Alex Albon and where he came from and how nice of a guy he is and how good of a driver he is just so that they can change the perspective of what they're doing within their um, team. Sure. Do you know what I mean? And also like, when's the last time you've seen how often before have you seen Michael, like example is Michael Schumacher is beside Toto Wolf every single race specifically just Mick so Schumacher. the cameras pick it up. Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher. Sorry. Mick Schumacher. No, just totally. so the cameras They're pick smart. it up. No, they know Daniel they Ricciardo is always sitting there just so that they pick it up. Daniel like, Ricciardo is only there. On a headset a, he's he's a marketing ploy for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, here's a question. And we're going to, I am warning our viewers for a second. We don't do this very often, but I'm going to digress for a second away from the sport of Formula One, but because it's part of this question. And I'm very curious to see your take on this. So I don't know if you've watched full swing or point break, which are the other two new Netflix shows. Mm-hmm that are the spin-offs quote unquote or the like the children of for, of 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 driver survive produced by the same people for those who don't know what I'm talking about full swings a golf one that followed the PGA and live golf last season and is currently shooting and filming this year again for season 2 and uh, point break was about tennis there's also a new one coming out up this year that follows three NFL quarterbacks so Mahomes uh, Kirk Cousins and Mariota were all followed all of last season, and they've got a show that's just dedicated to the three of those quarterbacks and what it's like to be an NFL quarterback. I don't know if you've watched the other two, so I, we haven't talked about this before. But I, I not, wonder. No. Okay, but it's cur- I'm curious about it because I, I, I think of it because when we had the the Live Golf PGA Tour news last week, where the PGA and you know this merger thing ha- came out of the blue all of a sudden, there was a very uh, sort of immediately um, cited tweet this it became retweeted a thousand times or whatever a minute for the next three days about the fact that the main producer of this show and the main producer of that show was like you better believe our cameras are rolling 
Yeah. And it made me wonder, like, how much of an impact do any of these shows actually have on the day-to-day about how these teams think? Because the only reason those two shows exist is because of the success of Drive to Survive, that those yeah. two leagues are looking, and those two organizations are looking at the success of and the growth that was generated from that. These new fans, these new people who are coming to the sport, and they look at it and they go, we want that. We want the net. We want that Netflix effect. And then you start getting into this, this paradox where it's like you want the benefit of it. But you, you also have to recognize the negative that comes with it, which is the fact that once you start gaining new audience, you are obligated to educate that audience. You are obligated to maintain that audience, to entertain that audience, to ensure that that audience actually knows what they've signed up for. And they haven't signed up for what they first were given, like you say, which was the Netflix thing. The Netflix mm-hmm. thing is a different product than watching Formula One every single week, tuning into this podcast every single week. That's, like, that's where we've now cultivated fans. And I just wonder if you think that it's working for those other sports or if you think it can work or if now we've just gotten into this copycat place where it's like anyone who thinks that this is something you can just sort of repackage and spit back out again is foolish. Well, it's, it's going to be that, that trend. Like it's a um, copycat type of culture. So if something's working, especially in a sport where it's individuals kind of on teams, like Liv is an individual golf sport, but there's a team associated with it. PGA is not. Um, tennis does have teams every once in a while when you go to like, um, national events, but within those sports, yeah, you want, you want to show who these people are to, to grow the sport. Does it work for golf and tennis? Probably. Yes. I bet you it's brought a lot of pure people to it, but yeah, maybe I don't know what is really the best thing about DF one was there's 20 characters, guys, drivers. Yes. But it's the shots, it's the camera angles, it's you're driving a car, like these guys are driving a car at 300 kilometers an hour, and there's 17 cameras attached to it. To me, that's the thing that F1 has over the other ones. The other ones are probably going to succeed, but it will also, like, if other sports start to do it, eventually it's going to be like this, I don't, it's too much, there's too many, I don't care about all of them, Um, and then it'll crush everybody. But in the short term, yeah, copycat, try to try to get what you can out of it all right let's see what we can get out of this one we got the red bull ring we're going to austria it'll be the canada day weekend uh this this is probably like my it's definitely the bottom of the list of my circuits that i enjoy watching Mm -hmm. usually low event which we all know is make or break for me uh but there's definitely some interesting elements to this set us up for it tyler we're going to austria all right, I'll make this short and sweet because I know a lot of you are probably already at work. Um, Austrian Grand Prix, 71 laps, very, very short track. I believe it's the shortest track um, on the circuit um, or the, the year. Records held by science. It's like a minute and five, a minute, five seconds with like a 619 behind the points. Um, all but five cars last year were lapped down. That tells you something about this track. All but five cars, I'm going to repeat it, were a lap down. Um, the first half of this track is basically uphill straights um, that lead to a winding fall back down to the finish line. It's a high-speed circuit, but early in the lap, um, with because the turns are uphill, it allows these drivers to break late, um, which will lead to some overtakes early. Um, but the turns that are on the way down, it's very easy to lock up. Um, so you see some guys go off track um, in those downhill turns. Three DRS zones. Um, they're only these three are three DRSs come one, 
and then there's a turn, and then there's a second one, then there's a turn, then there's a third. So there's not separated by much. Um, again, very fast track. The podium last year, Leclerc was the winner with Verstappen and Hamilton uh, joining him on the podium. Uh, did not finish Perez, Latifi, and Sainz. Um, Sainz has the track record. Am I wrong? He does. Yeah, he does. Um, that was a couple years ago. <laughs> that was a couple years ago. Wasn't last year. Uh, this race isn't for another couple weeks. So you have, it's July, yeah. the first weekend of the July. Weekend so you July, have some, right. some downtime uh, in the next couple weekends. And uh, you mentioned that the, 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 the DRS zones are all back to back, which does offer the opportunity for an overtake overtake, right? Where you've got a guy who might catch someone in the first DRS zone and then the, you know, kind of flip it over to the other side. If you've, if you've both been in the right DRS detection zone prior to that, but like it, it does offer an opportunity for some of those. We've seen guys like Perez take advantage of that before where they actually let the guy overtake them in the first one, because they knew that they'd have the better advantage to take the rest of the lap in the lead. If they got them on the second or third one. Right. So that could be an interesting one strategically to see. And as you say, it's a short lap. We know how fast max has been. I I wonder if we have, uh, you said it was only five cars that weren't lapped last race. Only five I wonder cars if that, three. I wonder what the number is. Yeah, it might be more. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. Uh, the big question, you know, can um, Lewis and Alonzo repeat what they did here this week in, in Canada? Can they keep that momentum going? And can we get that fight? You know, I just want to stoke the fire on that one. I want to get some kindling in on that and have that turn into a really like big rager for the rest of the season because that would be a lot more fun to watch. And I'd love to get some other guys up in that fight. Like if Russell can turn it around and some of these Ferraris can start to trust their strategists, maybe we can have a bit more of a battle there for for the top couple steps on the rest of the podium for the rest of the year because we know it's Max's to run off with and he's now going to do that. Um, but it would be great to see some just a bit more drama in the midfield and, 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 and sort of the upper tiers there for, from my percent. Let's hope that uh, Alex Albon Williams is up there. Let's get well, him going. You, this you is the perfect track finishing in seventh. So they'd better get up there and they better keep doing it consistently. Lots to look forward to. As you say, it's a couple of weeks away from now. So we won't, you won't hear from us until July. Um, but again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. Please submit your questions. You can do that by emailing us at pit stop at ordinarypodcasts.com or by hitting us up on Instagram. Um, you can submit questions about the races where we were watching, maybe next race, questions specifically about that or anything else uh, that you want to know about from Formula One. Uh, as always, also, please, you can follow us on Instagram, follow us, uh, follow the show, subscribe to the show, share the show. Um, we've got lots of great feedback about it, but we'd love to continue to grow our audience for this and continue to have more and more listeners. If you want to learn more about the Ordinary Podcasting website, you can do so by going to ordinarypodcasts.com. Uh, two other notes I got to make from the network itself. We just had the 100th episode of Hattrick Sports, which is pretty cool. So that's still out there if you haven't heard that yet. Yeah, it took a long time to get to, but we got there. Uh, and then we've now got the complete season of Ellipses Thinking out now. So all uh, all of the episodes for season one and two are available anywhere you get your podcast. There's even a bonus episode at the end of season two. So if you're interested in that, check it out. But until July, on behalf of Tyler and myself, thank you for listening. Keep it on the road. I'm, I'm just going to go with it. I know. I love it. I, I love it. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening.
The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.